0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Power of love babs love talk i'm babs Rolls ivy i'm delighted i've got a good friend in the studio this morning hey paul nunez
1: good morning babs how are how you how
0: are you so let me tell you a little bit about paul nunez he is with uh he is uh with the pino nunez and bigs llc which is formerly the pino and associates um it's a well-rounded new haven-based government relations firm they are lobbyists people you and of lobbyist. the best and the best sort <laughs> Uh, and they have a very diverse staff and uh and y'all y'all know Paul from being around town I remember when you used to work for City Hall many many moons ago
1: I did I started uh working for John DiStefano in 2005 but prior to that I was with the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities so I was traveling around New Haven you know but uh really got my start here in oh five working for John
0: yes and uh how does it feel to sort of uh be uh, a Latino in government relations.
1: How does that? What What is that like? You know, it's um, it, it's a it's a real privilege for me um, to be working in a in a field and industry that you know all pretty much since uh, my college career uh, I was geared towards. You know, I majored in public policy and really sought ways to give back to the community. At one point I wanted to run for office. Um found out that I was a better place working for politicians and was able to, you know, get involved in the nitty-gritty and uh, uh just make sure that there was policy that was well-rounded and spoke to the things I cared about. So, you know, people like John DeStefano uh gave me a, a you know huge leg up. Uh Francis Sanchez, who was the deputy mayor of Hartford, was the first official I really kind of sought out and uh, Wrote to her while I was in college, and, and and asked her if she would take me on as an intern, and that's really what gave me that that bug for public service. Seeing what people like Francis did, uh, and and what what they were able to do to to affect community change. So, um, you know, got into to, to working for politicians for for good, probably a good decade. Um, you know, uh, worked for the Speaker of the House for a number of years, and then sort of made the transition to to government relations as. Um, just trying to apply my skills and my knowledge base to, to, to an industry and helping people navigate the legislative process.
0: Mm. Um, so, so when, you, when yeah. you're out there talking to people, Paul, uh, people who don't really understand how government works and how the legislative process is, and, and they seem to have a disconnect or or sometimes, I don't want to say negative, but displeasure in what they believe is happening in government how do you yeah. how do you talk to people about how they should view um, the legislative
1: process for their own interests? Yeah, I think, you know, um, and, and our rights and our ability to engage our, our elected officials is protected. It's a First Amendment right. So, you know, I really start with that basic principle that, yes, you may be dissatisfied, but it's your right to voice that dissatisfaction. It's your right to engage uh and uh you know advocate for things you want whether it's a piece of legislation that you see as good or something that you think brings uh people you know takes things back in in a negative direction um so it's it's that foundational understanding that yes i I belong in these hallways and i belong uh to participate in the process uh, which is hard for folks i mean i grew up in hartford um probably the first time I stepped into the legislative office building was when I was in college. Um, And this is the building that day in, day out, you see many tour groups of school kids. And as a Hartford public school uh, student, I I was never, uh, never set foot in there. So, you know, there, there, there's this aspect too of, um, you know, the access, uh, but really I try to remind people, this is your process. These are your elected officials. Uh, It's your right to come here and and advocate and 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 really that's what allows you to some of that dissatisfaction go away right the the helplessness that feeling that I can't really affect any change, but um really going out there and, and talking to your electeds i mean most of them are great people who love to see constituents and 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 really engage
0: mm. so do you feel and I know you're proud and um honored to sort of serve and as as a person of Latino, uh, as a Latino person, uh, but do you feel the weight of that? Because sometimes I, I, I know, as a, as a as a black woman, I, I walk into spaces and I know I I I um, sometimes it's it's not by choice that I, I have to look like I represent the whole damn race of black people. Do you do you <laughs> do you feel that in spaces? Do you feel that periodically?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I do. Um, what what I've actually now understand more is the sort of the flip side of that my ability to engage and shed a little bit of, of of light on maybe you know cultural misunderstandings or just experience right what it's like to to have been Puerto Rican growing up in hartford uh and and you know uh engaging the educational system I mean right so and, and, and at times yes it did, it did feel like I have to be the one who represented everybody. But now I really take it as an opportunity. Um because unfortunately there are times where uh I am still the only Latino in the room. Um more and more, you know, increasingly we we, we have more Latino legislators, more Latino staff, and hopefully as uh you know time goes on, Latino lobbyists. Um naturally there there are many other Latinos that are uh, registered lobbyists uh and, and advocates so not to say that I'm the only one but um you know, it, it's an industry where we're seeing more of our own come up and, and I, I really enjoy seeing that.
0: Mm. And so um, the Latino community, like the black community is not monolithic. You know, we can come together on a lot of things, but there are a lot of things Absolutely. that are just very, very different. How do you bridge yeah. those differences?
1: Yeah. You know, it's um, one of those things I've, uh, I've seen that around immigration issues, um, you know, uh, the Puerto Rican community has been fortunate to, to, to have been granted our, our citizens to the US since 1917, uh, since 1917 through a lot of sacrifice and, and a lot of bad things happening as well. Um, but you know, the immigration issue was one that uh, sometimes people say, oh, Puerto Ricans were not as into, uh, but I feel like you know, in order to grow our, our, our collective voice, uh, we have to care about issues that may not affect us immediately. But affect their brothers and sisters. So, you know, it's just finding the common ground. It's finding, you know, maybe it does not affect my family, but how does this uh, issue, you know, affect my neighbors? And it's it's really just being neighborly and and you know, looking to others just as they are, as as a brother and sister, as a, a friend, as a neighbor. And um, some of these issues aren't that complex, you know. Um, and just kind of being human about it, Fabs is is one of the best ways. And and I, I try to portray that and, and bring that, you know, new views and perspectives in, into my lobbying uh, when I can.
0: Mm. So uh, one of the things that y'all are doing at, um, at your firm is um, supporting and celebrating um, uh, the progressive Latino fund. Is that it? Did I say that
1: right? That's right. Yes. Yep. So tell, me a little, yeah.
0: tell me a little bit about
1: that fund and, and what does it do? Yeah, so uh, they were started in 2003, um, and uh, one of the, you know, the major functions is to uh, promote the educational and socioeconomic well-being of uh, the Latino community in New Haven, in the greater New Haven area. So they do that by, uh, you know, highlighting different sort of uh, cultural uh, aspects of of the Latino community, uh, highlighting up-and-coming young talent, and trying to just promote uh, Latino culture and Latino individuals that are uh, doing uh, good for their community. Uh, another important aspect, which is one of the reasons we really give, is they they support many of the Latino not-for-profits in the area that are you uh, know direct service providers uh, or, or provide other um, you know uh, services to, to to folks in the community. So uh, it's a fund that I a number of years back I was able to sit in one of their sort of uh, community listening sessions. So I really thought that they they really did. Uh, want to reflect the needs and wants of the community. So we we gladly, uh, uh, you know, took up their appeal and and gave this year to them uh, in honor of uh, Hispanic Heritage Mm. Month.
0: Okay. I just wanted to make sure uh, Aurora sent me a message and I wanted to make sure that I I, I brought that up because um, it is uh, Hispanic Heritage Month from September 15th through October 15th, I believe.
1: That's right. Yep. And, uh, we, you know, we, we want to encourage uh, others to, to go out, check out the, uh, the, the, the fund's website, and, and hopefully give as well. Uh, uh, I, I think they make great impact in the community.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so, Paul, walk me through a day yep. of what it means to, to do your job. What, do you, what does a
1: lobbyist do? All right. So, yeah, you know, let's take a, a typical session day pre-pandemic um because (laughs) post-pandemic for like a lot of us has meant a lot of zoom meetings which uh you know we we transition and we're able to do that as well but um you know one of the beauties of this job is showing up to the legislative office building on 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 any given day and sort of going through my mental file of issues and clients i have to lobby for uh and sort of i show up there i have a sense okay i got to You know work on this piece of legislation for a client that's in the education committee so i make my list of legislators i need to you know check in with that day or schedule formal meetings and and you know and i do that over and over for each client i have um so it's you know really just going about the process of finding out who's who's with you who's not um trying to bridge connections between your issue and legislators and uh, you know, and sometimes just trying to keep the ball moving forward. Um, what I love about the legislative process—it's a—it's a linear process that's dictated by you know dates and and deadlines. And as a lobbyist, I, I get to work within that constraint, get creative a little bit, and 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 get to do uh, some fun stuff, and hopefully, you know, move some good policy forward uh, on behalf of my clients. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really just a great job to. I mean you know uh, learn about people's experiences about their life, the background they bring to to the job of legislating and you know it really is a cross section of of Connecticut legislature, and you get folks there from who are small business people uh professionals uh teachers and and so interacting with them is really great so um yeah
0: so when you when you talk when you take on clients yeah. do you do you advise them when they say, "We want to do this do you do you have advisement for them about a particular policy they want to bring to life do you Do you um, help them work on like what is the relationship like with your clients
1: yeah so uh, most most of the clients bring us on either because uh, so three things they want: sort of general government relations, right? They they're uh, an entity that wants to be known and understood amongst policymakers. Uh, then there's folks who either want to pass or defeat legislation, um, and, and so each takes on a different sort of flair. But you know, at, at, at its most uh, base, yeah, we we advise them on on, on the on the policy. Um, we give them our advice on uh, you know, para- the parameters that, that the policy may be seeking to set, um, any past experience that we have with the issue, but our, uh, our real forte is really, uh, creating, uh, the pathway forward for them, right? Let's say they're trying to pass a, a piece of legislation, it's sort of digging down to who the people are that may be most attracted to, uh, this piece of policy, but also just working the, the, the nuts and bolts, right? Um, carrying out a vote count in front of the Education Committee, let's say, or engaging the chairs of the Judiciary Committee and making sure that they understand what what that uh, legislation they may be trying to advance uh, does. Um, So it really, it's just helping them uh, instrumentalize every part of the process from getting a bill uh, proposed and and engaging uh, potential uh, supporters uh, assuring that they have a successful testimony uh, during a public hearing uh, and, and just really being their eyes and ears when it comes to all activities surrounding uh, their issues.
0: I, I recognize that all politics are local, but you do have to take the temperature of the country. And and how much time do you spend and and do you take cues from what is happening around the country? And, and do you take cues from what is coming out of um, Washington?
1: yeah dc is a, almost like a, a completely different animal but there are policy issues that that you sort of see trickle down to the state level from dc perhaps uh, they get bogged down in, in in the dc gridlock uh and partisanship uh perhaps um you know it becomes much easier and and we see this a lot in certain efforts that we we work on um some entities uh desire to go a state-by-state strategy versus just a, a sort of nationalized um, for certain, you know, di- different reasons. Uh, so we, we do look at D.C. to see what are the things that are getting stuck that may trickle down. But really, even in the case of other states, um, you know, states like California tend to be sort of policy sort of harbingers, um, you know, when, when uh, uh, bills move through the uh, legislature you see them sort of start being uh taken up in other states so we also look at the bigger states too to see what they're doing um uh, because from time to time those issues will will start trickling down to other state legislatures
0: so what's it like working with your uh, your mother-in-law your mother-in-law is
1: uh, <laughs> is state rep tony walker yes <laughs> yeah well, worst kept secret in government worst kept secret and actually truth be told truth be told there I am still surprised uh there you know there are people year to year that uh realize uh that that she's been my mother in law for seventeen years now so uh um, yeah, once in a while there, there there there's folks that are surprised by by the familiar connection no, but it's great she is you know obviously su- such a uh dedicated and, and committed legislator uh to to her district and to New Haven in the state of connecticut um so it's it's just it's great um I really treat her like any other legislator, um, particularly, and maybe even with more care in the sense that, you know, we don't want people to think, oh, she's doing it for Paul, right? Um, So one of the deals I always have is I will always get your colleagues support and demonstrate that this is not just an issue I'm going to you, but others in your committee or your caucus support this issue. So we've been really uh, able to to work and create some consensus. on a lot of issues, but it's great. Um, she's somebody who's, she's a teacher, right. Um, and, and she just teaches me so much about, uh, the process and, and, and the budget in particular, because that's one of her, uh, areas of expertise. So it's it's been really great. It's been a blessing.
0: Mm. So I I know you, you have participated in discussions with my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta um, in New Haven, you have been part of of some okay. of the conversations. That we were doing uh, uh, conversations that matter across the city, and uh, and you participated in, and and talking about just this kind of thing, and how people can participate and 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 be heard and that kind of thing. Uh, what do you think we need, Paul, to educate more people about the legislative process and their commitment as
1: citizens um, to voting? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's um it starts out with bringing those classrooms into the legislative office building. You know, it, it's seeing that the building is accessible, that it's a place that you can uh, visit and, and and take part in, in the process. You know, unlike Washington, D.C., where you have to be invited to speak at a hearing, you can just show up the day of and sign up to testify. So, you know, it's it's really it's really the system really uh Made for participation of the public, and now with, you know, uh, uh, Zoom and you know, our Zoom, our our pandemic reality was uh, for the first time having the legislative process happening, but not being able to engage face to face, which in our industry that was uh, pretty monumental. Um, but because of uh, Zoom, we saw participation up in public hearings by by uh, members of the public and interested. Uh, you know, constituents. So, um, it, you know, it starts with the small things, you know, bringing kids into the building. It's, it's elected officials, you know, holding coffee meetings in, in, in their districts, right? And being as, as accessible as possible. Um, but, cause I think, you know, state legislature, state legislator has um, probably, uh, you know, a lot of day-to-day impact that, can, uh, that residents may not realize. Um, and also their accessibility is, it's just, uh, really, there. So, um, to to be able to grab a, a you know a Pat Dillon or, or Gary Winfield, it's pretty easy. It's most you know you go down to one of our co- coffee shops and uh, run into them, right? And and most of them are, are really happy to engage on issues and at, at hear from constituents. So it's it's you know it's not rocket science, but it's just little things that uh, you know um, you know we can do as as individuals to and you know educate ourselves a little bit, right? um and and reach out even if it's a simple email um i think that's important um so you know we're 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 not here you know to just sort of sit on our hands and let governing happen to us uh we can really engage back and 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 shape how how governing happens
0: Mm. so um you know we are we are uh in a midterm season and uh we've got elections coming up in november uh, we've got, uh, a a bunch of races. Um, uh, what, what do you say to people, uh, when, when you hear stuff like, ah, you know, midterm elections are not that sexy. They're not that interesting. You know, people get excited about the bigger elections. Sure.
1: Yeah. Well, no, what I would say is, you know, your, your, your state tax rates are, are, are going to be determined by who wins an election like this. Um, you know, things that you may care about, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, whether it's a uh, legal cannabis for adults right those are things that are uh decided by who wins in mid state elections um so you know a lot of your day to day issues um things that you you faced you know uh, uh, you know from from schooling to the roads right these are things that elected officials that are up in this this cycle state legislators uh, the governor uh those are those are uh, issues that you know, will be decided um, by people during this election cycle. So I, you know, I, I actually, I probably feel the opposite. I care more about midterm elections than, than the big national elections, uh, because so much of my work is driven by the state legislature and state government uh, that this it, is for me, you know, so election night uh, is a big night for me. I sit, my, our whole team sits down and keeps track of who's winning. And we try to get out uh, reports to our clients as soon as possible on what the dynamics of each caucus look like, you know, who uh, may be leading in the uh, uh, exit polls for for governor and stuff like that. So this is kind of like our prime time, but hugely um, important in terms of day-to-day impact. And also again, accessibility, right. You know, ability to voice my concern to my, you know, the folks crafting the state budget well that's much easier done than perhaps reaching out to our congress uh uh, uh members although i find them pretty accessible as well uh with the email and, and stuff like that so mm-hmm.
0: so what what are what are the most pressing issues that connecticut is is looking at from your from your perspective
1: yeah i think right now we're we're at a, a interesting crossroads you know for so much of my career we were in this sort of deficit mode, where the state finances were uh, in in shambles, uh, successive uh, deficits uh, in the state budget. Uh, the uh, you know we hear a lot about unf- unfunded liabilities and our uh, pension uh, programs and and others. And sort of an odd thing that happened during the pandemic was that we started seeing a, a, a fiscal uh, turnaround in terms of our state budget. Um, you know uh the budget for reserves ballooned uh so much that um, there were so you know, some new triggers that were added in, into uh, state law that uh once they uh the surplus uh, uh grew enough then a certain amount of that money would then be go to to pay down debt and we've uh been able to use that mechanism to pay down uh large large amounts of debt now there's there's a discussion uh about what do we do with this uh uh huge surplus that we have uh there's those saying, well we should hang on to it because uh you know we're seeing uh inflation and and and, and a uh, potential uh, uh recession uh on its way so let's hang on to that surplus because it's quite not rainy yet some folks are saying it's it's kind of it's we're post you know in post pandemic recovery and uh that that merits uh uh, taking up that that that's expenditures and and spending more uh on on different programming, so I think that's that's going to be one of the the big sort of philosophical um, issues what do we do with the surplus do we save it? do we spend a little and, and i'm sure both of those will happen uh, it's just to to what degree and what programming will uh, will we see uh, more investments in
0: mm. so what is the
1: best part of your job? What do you like about this job? I I just, I I like engaging people. I I like um, moving issues through. Um, There's nothing more gratifying than, you know, having a client testify at a committee meeting and, you know, getting all those questions you want raised uh, to get, you know, to to, to get asked, Um, you know, having seen that board, uh, of, uh, of the vote tally uh, on a piece of legislation that you've worked on through, you know, uh, the committee process all the way to the, you know, getting it through the House and, and then that final vote, let's say in the House or Senate, and, and seeing the votes come through for it. That that's a great moment because, you know, it's 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 all just comes down to yeses and nos, All the hard work, all the testimony, all the one-on-one lobbying, and, and so that's sort of the big moment when you see that tally up there. Uh, hopefully in the affirmative, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and getting that bill across the uh, the goal line.
0: Do you feel like yeah. a role model? Because I, I would imagine when, <laughs> when kids see you come into a classroom where they see you uh, wherever you wherever you are and they find out what you do, I mean, that's not in anybody's, um, uh, that's that's not in the, the things that, that people imagine they could be. And so when yeah, they you see know, you, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a
1: big deal. I, I hope, I, I hope I can be a role model. I hope, um, you know, uh, only recently have we started uh, bringing on interns who seek out lobbying firms because they want to be a lobbyist. So that's, that's a new dynamic for me. I never, you know, at a young age said, I want to become a black hat lobbyist, you know, and, and run a government relations firm. Right. But w- we are seeing students like that. We just had a, an intern from, uh, New Haven. who's a UConn student who, who who really wanted to understand what government relations is and lobbying, and and uh, you know he completed an internship with us. So I, I do hope uh, kids look up not only me but but others uh, working in government. Um, it's a deeply gratifying field. It's you know you can be as corporate as you want, or you can do just stuff that affects the community. So it really does give you a lot of um, you know, possibilities. Um, so I I would say anybody interested in lobbying, you know, you could always reach out to us through our website and, uh, we, you know, we're currently looking for interns, uh, for this coming legislative session. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested, yeah, we, we love to bring you on, teach you what lobbying is about. And it, it, yeah, it, I also say it's a great career. It's, it's allowed me to do so much, uh, professionally, meet so many people, Provide for my family, uh, which you know uh, ultimately, uh, no matter how much you love a, a job, it's got to do that. Um, so uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very happy with, with, with picking this in, and I hope others uh, see this as a possible uh, pathway for them.
0: I, I, I like that you said that, Paul, because I think people have such a misunderstanding of lobbyists. I think they've been paint a picture has been painted. of of lobbyists being unscrupulous and and you know not above the the line
1: and all this other kind of stuff yeah how do you you address that well you know it's 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 just like in any career right Uh, uh, sometimes you hear about the bad apples when they do bad things and and you know and that's when you may first hear about a lobbyist is when you know uh, Jack Abramoff at the federal level was taking money and giving money and doing all sorts of uh, you know, horrible, illegal things. Um, but you know, it's like any profession. There are those who uh, carry themselves in, in 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 high regard and and work professionally, and sometimes there's there's others that don't. But you know, I think also it's a function of how our career, uh, how our uh, uh, you know job is. A lot of the things we work on are uh, you know sort of under confidentiality agreements with the client, and so. You know, that the the exposure out there for the issues you may be working on day to day tend to be kept in, in the you know, in the in the back burner. But I I love letting people know that I'm a lobbyist. I love dispelling, you know, the notions that people have because I, I happen to, you know, uh do my job very ethically above board because, you know, it's just the alternatives, it's just not not <laughs> not, not, not good. Um and you know, so and yeah you know, and, and, and most of the things that people do in 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 professional capacities are are either out of stupidity or or to give themselves some sort of edge um uh, uh yeah I, I try to avoid all those things
0: <laughs> mm, mm. and so um you're 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 uh a, a owner member of the the firm of your firm dnb yes, and uh uh what was what that what what caused that decision like how did you know that that was the the path? Because you could you could be working for it just about Yeah, anymore. well,
1: you know, it's a, yeah, so I was leaving uh so I was working for Chris Dutton, Speaker of the House, uh, another gentleman who gave me a and, and Millie, his then chief of staff, gave me a, a shot at, at working for him. And that's what really started to get my ideas going about, you know, really staying at the state level and and working uh at the legislative process and you know as he was sort of finishing his term as speaker i started thinking about what i wanted to do and you know i had already done sort of like inside lobbying you know working for an entity and being their lobbyist you know exclusively uh did that for the city i had worked at an association where we represent different uh members of like interest uh and so the, the the next step for me in my mind was I want to go work at a contract lobbying firm where I can work with a roster of clients, keeps my attention span going because day to day I can work on different issues, uh, and and really just allow my skill set, m- allow my my knowledge base and experience to just really work for all sorts of different entities uh, and in different ways. And so I approached Cristopino, who uh, uh, you might know as well, and. Started, I do know uh, Chris. He started the Pino Associates in 2003, um and had worked with him. He was uh and we still are uh the city of New Haven's lobbyist. Uh so he was my lobbyist at one point uh when I was working for the city of New Haven and developed a good relationship with him and and approached him about, hey, you know, what do you think um uh, if I came over to the shop? Uh, at that point I had kind of recruited, you know, a couple of clients, and was thinking either, okay, I might hang up my own shingle, or or go somewhere, and Chris kind of just rolled out the welcome mat, like nobody else I talked to. He said, you could come here, uh, and just work for me, or you could come here, and take this firm over with Melissa, and take it into, you know, uh, uh, the, the next 25 years, and he really, that's, he inspired me with that, and um, stuck true stuck to his word, and about uh, four years ago, we we started the transition, the formal transition. So, I've changed the name to De Pino Nunez and Biggs. Melissa Biggs is our uh, other partner who has been with the firm since she was a uh, intern at uh, Southern Connecticut State University. So, uh, we 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 you know she she's been uh, the backbone of the company for many years now. And now we are the first Latino woman-owned um, lobbying firm in the state. So. Uh, We're pretty proud of that, you know. We're we're both sort of young upstarts who were given this great chance by Chris and um, are really, you know, trying to make a world-class lobbying firm, uh, uh, you know, from our talent and um, yeah, and provide really good service to our clients.
0: It has been my pleasure to talk to you today. I I so appreciate your time. I've I've enjoyed this immensely, and uh, and I I many years in the making. yes (laughs) yes many of <laughs> so i I don't want you to be a stranger like i don't i don't want another several thousand years to go by no, i know before well, you come I pre- back
1: i appreciate you you bring me on you know it's uh i've always been kind of like a keep my head down you know and, and work kind of guy doing something like this talking about um you know what i do is it, new to me but you know we've worked really hard and we have a really great thing going on in a great company so um uh, I was, you know, I'm very happy and proud to be here and, and talk about my experience.
0: Well, thank you. Well, say hello to your beautiful wife, Talia, the author. And I'm, I'm looking for her next, and the beautiful children
1: that are so grown up now. Holy Absolutely. cow! Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, 14 and nine. And yeah, oh. just quick, quick plug for my wife. She's uh, she'll be uh, uh, her latest book uh, based on the uh Rican pioneers of the 65th Infantry, an uh, in all Puerto Rican. Uh, Uh, Army Infantry uh, will come out in November and that's uh, another great uh, snapshot of uh, American history um, that you know for for folks of color uh, is you know it's it's, it's a lot of bravery and betrayal all in in one and it's uh, it's a great story
0: well you whispered to her tonight that this was not painful (laughs) it was not it was enjoyable I could probably go another hour (laughs) (laughs) and you tell her Come and sit in a chair. We'll have a lovely conversation about her book. Will do. Thank you, Babs. Thank you, Paul Nunez. It is such a pleasure to see you. Yes, ma'am. Say hi to everybody at the firm. I'll see you soon. Will do. Thank you very much.
1: Bye-bye.
0: All right. Have a good day. All right, Harry Droz. It's time for us to go. I had a wonderful conversation with Paul Nunez of DNB LLC. uh, The uh, the minority a woman and latino-owned firm can you believe that here in connecticut so uh, i look forward to seeing y'all tomorrow my guests will be uh oh this has been a good talking week let me tell you um um, but i'll be back tomorrow so y'all have a lovely day and i will see y'all soon thanks harry play us out to the <routine. travel dogs> mask, into <porter dogs> like the spinning, <anticipate insurance> the into like the in the mask, into the wheels keep spinning, into the 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 wheels into the keep spinning the All the states are all oh, mine